Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, happy Monday. Hope you had a fabulous weekend. I had a great weekend and in fact one of the things that happened to me on the weekend is uh, has become the seed of what it is that we're going to talk about today. Don't you love it when that happens? Yay. Before that, um, some PSAs. Firstly, I would like to do a shout out to my uh, client, Terry, who had her first ever proper profesh uh, photo shoot on Friday. And the pictures that I've seen so far uh, look fantastic. And I'm so proud of her because um, it was a big up level in a bunch of ways. And it uh, looks like she got some really great images as a result. And she just worked so hard during uh, lockdown to up her selfie game. She really put the time in on the photos. And um, so I think she deserves to have someone else behind the camera for her. So massive congratulations to Terry. Also, I want to say happy anniversary, no, happy engagement. Gee, how married are you? Don't know the terminology. To my client Ainsley, who had her engagement party on the weekend. Love that. All right, uh, some other things. Uh, If you are interested in taking the next round of my Social Media Confidence for Yoga Teachers course, the registrations for that are now open. Um, That is an eight-class course that runs over five weeks where I teach you how to use social media, how to, um, you know, present yourself, how to... uh, do all the things and and feel good about it. We have a lot of fun along the way. In fact, I would argue that one of the best things you get out of that course is um, feeling like you're not the only person who's a little nervous about putting your photo on the internet uh, and that you've got a tribe of people on your team championing you along. So uh, registrations for that are open. The link is in the episode notes or it's amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. Also, uh, I'm throwing a little bit of a sale in part to uh, at the request of some folks who have been reaching out, but I'm doing 150 bucks off my 90-minute intensives all month long or until I've sold as much as I can possibly fit in <laughs> to my schedule. Um, so if you like the idea of having some one-to-one coaching with me, but the six-month um is, is too big a meal if you'd like more of an appetizer uh, you might like to book in for that so it's it's 90 minutes you can use it in two 45 minute sessions if you like it's normally 500 Australian dollars but if you buy it this month it's 350 uh, for painful and the coupon code is may 150 off again details for that in the episode notes and finally uh, drum roll please. I have finally got myself together and set up my Patreon. So if you love this podcast and you would like to support me in making it, you can now check out my Patreon um, opportunities. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Amy McDonald. Again, the link will be in the episode notes. Um, There's three different levels of support. 
um, that you can take a look at and see if you would like to choose one of those. Um, they all come with bonus content um, and, and sort of increasing levels of support from me. Uh, so if you're interested in that, again, head over to my brand new, now officially launched, Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Amy McDonald. All right, so let's talk about my weekend, shall we? <laughs> oh, okay, so I, um, I, I, I'll, I'll just start with the story. And then it will become clear what the hell I'm talking about. And no, no, this does not have anything to do with dating apps or uh, Amy's um, dating life, promise. At least not that I'm aware of yet. So I'm going to sort of, here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to use a phrase, um, I'm just going to plant this seed with this phrase, the theatre of dominance, the theatre of dominance. And um, this is not my phrase. This is a phrase I borrowed from Matthew Remsky, um, who I've just read an article of his over the weekend um, about uh, Byron Katie. So I'll put the link. The article is on Medium if you want to go find it. It's called That Time Byron Katie Gaslit a Follower About Trump, written by Matthew Remsky. He's one of the co-hosts of the Conspirituality Podcast and the author of The Practice and All is Coming painful but important book. Uh, again, link in episode notes. So this idea of the theatre of dominance, I've just was reflecting on what this is, how it shows up, how I perpetuate it and how I will mm, be more sensitive and empowered when confronted with it. So let me take you back, hmm, let's see, about 25 hours <laughs> in the life of Amy McDonald. I am at a market, a regional market, uh, open air market, the type of market where there's lots of elderly couples selling produce from their home market gardens. There's, you know, the, the people selling sort of vintage clothing. There's lots of people selling plants. Uh, you can go and buy chick, chickens, chooks there for your, to have eggs at home. Um, there's uh, the donut van, there's people selling coffee. Um, you know, it's that sort of a country. There's, there's lots of, uh, chaps with, um, uh, not as in the pants that you wear when you're chainsawing or stripping, perhaps if you're part of manpower, Australia, all of you Singaporeans laugh it up. Um, you know, fellows who are selling like tools and, uh, uh I don't know, like gadgets, hardware, you know, doorknobs, wheels, all of that sort of stuff. And everybody's, there's people selling flowers and there's a fairy floss thing and it's that. There's a jumping castle for kids. It's that sort of market. Now, I have this, um, oh, I have this city <laughs> where I, I don't know how, it's a city, I don't know, where I can kind of um, <clears throat> sniff out in a large group the people that I'm like straight away, I'm like, ah, oh, that person, that person. And I inevitably in these situations to the ongoing bewilderment of some of my friends can end up having sort of these <laughs> yogury conversations with people in the most unlikely of places. And such was the case on Sunday. I found myself having a conversation with someone who had a stall selling incense and stickers with deities on them and t-shirts with Krishna, uh, keychains, 
uh, some secondhand sort of clothing that looked like it had come from India, blah. So we're having this great conversation and I'm sort of looking around and the person, and I'm sure you can uh, presume this, the person, the, the lineage I'm talking about, she's suggesting to me, would you like this book or this book or that book? And these books are by donation. And we also have these cookbooks, but those ones you have, you have to pay for. And I said to her, well, you know, actually probably, uh, I've, I've read all of these books actually. Um, you know, uh, and so we were talking about other things and it had just so happened that earlier that morning before driving to the market, I had had a coffee with my friend, Wendy, Wendy and I are co-teaching some workshops, first one next Saturday, and then two more the following weekend. And we were talking about what the theme of the workshop is and what we're going to teach and, um, how we're going to blend our teaching styles together. And I had said that I would love it if we could have Shiva as, uh, sort of our, our, theme for the workshop and in fact if we could start the workshop by teaching that portion of the uh, you know that that very beautiful story about how of the churning of the milky ocean and in particular the part where uh the devas you know that where that where they churn up the hala hala the, the the poison and um to save the world from destruction shiva uh, swallows the poison but just holds it in his throat and we're going to use the throat as kind of a focal point I'm going to teach all of these back bends yada yada I thought this was a good idea okay great so Wendy and I have settled on this idea that's going to be fun Nilakante is going to be the topic of the workshop great okay now back to the market so I'm having this conversation would you like uh, would you like to give me a donation for a copy of the Bhagavad Gita as it is I say you know I got that um, what about this this that the forward from George Harrison yada I've got that. Okay, fine. So I start looking at the t-shirts because why not? Um, I don't want to buy chooks and uh, I'm going away soon. I'm not going to buy plants, but hell, some, uh, <laughs> some, some spiritual materialism, maybe. So I'm looking through all of these t-shirts and given the lineage of the person who had the stall, it's Krishna, 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 Krishna. And then I happen upon random a Shiva t-shirt and not only a Shiva t-shirt but a picture of Shiva drinking the hala hala that had just been churned up from the Milky Ocean. Now remember I am in a regional Australian market. Folks this is a fucking bogan market you know what I'm saying? Like this is a market where you can get a deep fried hot dog on a stick. Bendigo is the home of the Chico roll. I didn't make that up. That's that market. And here I find a T-shirt of Shiva drinking the hala hala, being watched by Vishnu. Anyway, I think, geez, you gotta, you got to buy this, Amy. I mean, don't get me wrong. The T-shirt is god-awful. But it's hilarious, and I'm a yoga nerd, and I've just been talking about it with Wendy, and I'm going to wear this thing at the workshop. God knows what it's made out of. Um, anyway, so I say to the person who has the stall, you know, would like this T-shirt, and actually, while we're here, I'll also take this uh, Ram Sita Lakshman Hanuman sticker because who doesn't love one of those? And um, and 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 we, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, about the workshop, blah blah blah. And she said, "Oh, you know this story?" I said, "Yeah, I know this story." Um, and so we were talking about that. And then um, anyway, all of this it got to the point where I said to her, "And I think actually it's your only Shiva T-shirt." And actually, I you know I, I kind of like Shiva. You know, he's kind of. I kind of like Shiva a bit more. And she said to me, trust me, I'm getting to the point of the story. I know by now you just want some hot chips and a Coke, right? Yeah. If you're at the market, I could have hooked you up. Anyway, she says to me, well, you know, Shiva was 
Vishnu's greatest devotee? And I said, well, I guess that depends on who you ask. Ha ha, funny Shaivite gag, I think. She says, no, no, that's what Shiva said that himself. And I'm thinking, huh, I want to read that book. And then she says, and here we go, getting to the point, promise. She says, yes, you just have to read the Vedas. Now, this is where things go sideways. Up until that point, I'd been having quite a nice time chatting with this lady, looking at all of her stuff, buying this ridiculous t-shirt and chuckling about the irony of finding it, or the coincidence, serendipity, serendipity, sorry, Alanis Morissette moment, that's not an irony, but anyway, looking at this goddamn thing and, okay, I'm going to buy it. Then suddenly I find myself in this awkward situation because I know that there is no way (laughs) that Shiva in the Vedas told everybody that he was Vishnu's greatest devotee. I'm not a Vedic scholar. In fact, trigger warning, I have very little interest in the Vedas because there's no yoga in there. Anyway, there's some Rudra, but there's no Shiva saying, you know what, this is my main man and he's one up on me. Thanks very much. But here we are in this tent and I know this and I know what she's told me is not accurate. And yet, I say something along the lines of, oh, that's interesting, instead of, well, actually, that's interesting because, uh, you know, she, she was not really in the innovators. Nope, I just say, oh, yes, yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I agree with her. Now, like I said, I don't know her background. I'm not a Vedic scholar. I'm a hack at all of this yoga stuff. But I'm fairly sure that that's inaccurate. And here we are in this tent, and I totally (laughs) consent to her being the holder of the truth and me being the mistaken, you know, wannabe. Why? Why did that happen? Why did I do that? And this is where we get this idea of, at least my interpretation of, this idea of the theatre of dominance. This, I was wearing, I don't know what I always wear, jeans and a shirt. She was wearing a sari. I looked like me. She had the, uh, what do you call it, uh, tila thing, you know, painted on her forehead. Um, she had a spiritual name. I've got a name from Dandenong. And in all of that, I just went, oh, yeah, you must be right and I must be wrong because Obviously, when we look at what's going on here, you must know more because of the setup, right? Because of the setup. And fortunately, my friend came in and said, can we please just go and get some samosas or whatever? And I said, yes, please. And we left. And it was, don't get me wrong, it was still a very, very pleasant interaction. And I'm not in any way um, suggesting that the person I was speaking to did anything wrong. We were really enjoying each other's company. What I didn't like about the situation was the way that I defaulted to her as the expert and I'm taking that all on me. And I did it because of the implied um, authority in the relationship. Okay, let me tell you another story. (laughs) Or just stop listening. I like the way that I actually have any, I just suggested that I have any influence whatsoever about whether or not 
uh, you're going to listen to this whole episode. <laughs> if, you're, if you're here for five tips to optimize your Facebook ads, this is not that episode. <laughs> All right, here's another story. I was in Melbourne at a uh, yoga studio that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it was a great one. And there was an international teacher who was at the time in the lineage I was practicing and who I was turning to, to, to grow and to learn as a teacher. This person was, it was a woman, this person was um, in my orbit and whenever she came to town, I would go. And, um, and because of that, inevitably when she would come to town every year or whatever, maybe twice a year, um, the people that would join those gatherings, I knew them over time, you know, familiar faces, people that you would have lunch with, uh, people that I had been a student of over, over the, over the years, people who I had seen at other, you know, interstate workshops, whatever. So there was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a cooler formed. And this teacher uh, has a um, beautiful, warm presence, um, and she's very friendly and very inspiring. This was some time ago, you know, to be clear. Uh, and at one point, um, and, and she, part of her, her teaching style, at least at that time, was to have the students demo the poses from time to time, particularly when breaking down a pose and looking at it and getting clear on the mechanics and all of those things. She would have a student demonstrate and she would talk to the group about the demonstration and and she asked me to demonstrate pulling up to Pinchamayarasana um, at the wall but still double leg lifting and using a block between my thighs to to double leg lift now I knew I knew when she asked me that as much as I would love to be able to do that I didn't have it I did not have it. I did not have the upper back strength at that time, and I certainly did not have not only the uh, abdominal strength, but the uh, knowledge on how to use the muscles of my core. I I didn't. I, I was still in the process of recovering of recovering from endless years of you know rib shearing and opening my heart to the point of totally like disengaging any kind of <laughs> muscle engagement in my abs. I was still like I had nothing. I knew when she asked me, I can't do that. But but here's what happened. Uh, we're all uh, sitting on the floor. She was standing up. We're all a group of people who kind of know each other. And at that time, and not to say that I'm totally healed now, but certainly at that time, I presumed myself the inferior in the room. I was lucky to be there. Everybody else was more advanced than me. Certainly everybody was stronger and thinner than me. Um, and I was kind of, you know, bumbling along and hoping no one would kind of notice and I would be friendly and maybe a little too much so that um, I wanted people to like me, right? I wanted the teacher to like me. I wanted the other people in the room to like me. And, and also part of me thought, well, I don't know everything. Maybe she does have some special trick that I don't know about and, and wouldn't it be an incredible opportunity to learn? Now, so we're all sitting down. She's standing up. She points to me and she says, right, you, come on, you're going to demo this. And, and, um, and I say, look, I, I, don't think, um, I don't think I can. And I know now if we flip this and put myself in the position of yoga teacher, sometimes people say that when they're just a little nervous or they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a confidence thing. But when I said it, it was those things as well. But I also knew enough about my body at that time to know that I didn't have it. I did not have what she needed for me to 
be able to do this double leg lift. And I was also in that moment nervous that if she picked me, this whole thing, like I was going to tank the demo. I was going to make her look bad because her magic fix was not going to work. And so I said, look, I don't think I have it. And the group kind of did this like, you know, with good intention. Yes, you can. We're going to do And she sort of looked at everybody else. She was talking to me, but looking at everybody else about you know, all the reasons why I can overcome my fear. And she's been doing this for so many years and she's helped so many people. And of course she can help me. And so I say, okay. So picture this, Amy, who already is worried about being fatter and sweatier and less flexible and weaker than everyone else in the goddamn room, right? Is now, um, is now facing the wall on her forearms uh, and, her, and the balls of her feet with her ass and, uh, you know, lady junk, you know, wearing leggings, pointing at the, everybody else. Everybody else in the workshop is now looking at my crotch. And this teacher is sort of uh, leaning against the wall, looking down on me. She's got her hand on my sacrum. And she starts cueing me into her magical double leg lift pull-up. And the first time I do it, guess what? Nothing happens. My feet are not going anywhere because I ain't got the strength to make this happen. I've got some hefty calves and some hefty thighs and ginormous feet. God damn it, I'm 43. I'm proud of that shit. But it weighs and nothing. No matter how many times she says, just float your feet, nothing is floating anywhere other than maybe my state of mind who just wants to float the hell out the door. So everybody starts rooting for me. Everybody's behind me looking at my ass, encouraging me on. And she tries again. She talks me through the whole process and still I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm starting to feel humiliated. (laughs) But... Because of this, you know, this, this, this theater of dominance idea, right? Like she's the teacher, she's vivacious, she looks fantastic, she's got great yoga stuff on, everybody thinks she's wonderful, I've traveled hours to get here, I've spent a hell of a lot of money, I want to learn from her, I need to get over myself and my low self-esteem and just go for it, I give it one more go. And what do you know? Nothing. And... This is where there could have been a moment of, you know, this could have been handled better on the part of the teacher because she kind of just abandoned me. When it became apparent that I couldn't, it got very awkward for the whole space. This was not going to happen. I'm in a really trauma insensitive pose in front of the whole room. She's tried three times and I've got nowhere. And in fact, when I said, I don't think I've got it, uh, I was right rather than come down, try this, do that, save the situation, help me kind of save face a little bit, she just abandoned the demo and everybody went back to their mats and we moved on with something completely different, leaving me like zero aftercare, feeling like, oh, you knew you shouldn't have come. You are the heaviest. You're, you're not supposed to be here. These, these people are out of your league. You do look, you know, like all the things you were terrified you would look like. So, Again, the the connection here is with my earlier story about the market is 
why didn't I insist when she insisted that I do the demo that I didn't do the demo? What happened in that moment where I said yes when everything in me wanted to say no? Here's why. I didn't want to look like a whinger or a complainer. I didn't want to look like a wet blanket or, heaven forbid, a strident woman. Helen Caldicott, bless you, Helen Caldicott, has <laughs> got me to a point in my life where I love being a strident woman. But back then, I didn't like how. And then, and then the thing of this is just the first session of a whole weekend. If I say no now, am I going to be that student all weekend? Like I don't want things to be awkward between me and this trainer. We move in small circles. I don't like. I don't want to make things weird. I don't want to, you know, turn this into something that it's not. I don't want to be the um, the the whiner or the whinger or the the killjoy or the wet blanket. I just want to fit in. And because of all of that, because of all of that, I said yes when I wanted to say no. And it's not just because all of that on my end, it's because of this idea of this theater of dominance, right? That in that moment, I felt like I couldn't say no. I felt like I couldn't say no. In that moment, I felt like I had to consent that, yes, you're right, Shiva did tell Vishnu in the Vedas that he was Vishnu's greatest devotee. Bullshit. I did feel like I had to say, yes, I'm pretty sure your miracle cure will help me double de- double leg lift into Pinchamaya Rasana, even though I've never done it before in my life. I can't even double, at that point, I could not even double leg lift to headstand, let alone forearm balance. Like, but in that moment, with everything that was going on, she was standing up, I was sitting down, everybody else was saying, yes, you can, yes, you can. And all of my conditioning around not being the standout person, not being the one who puts the downer in the mood, in, you know, in the room, I said, yes, because of all of the situation that was going on. One more story, and then we're going to do some, so what? Not that long ago, um, I very famous, famous Australian yoga teacher coming to town. Okay, uh, I've heard about this person for years, like, I mean, 20 years, and I've never studied with them. So, damn, I better go to this thing. I'm excited about this. Who I don't know anything about this person other than that they're famous. Um, and, and I interpreted that to mean well-regarded, insightful, wise. Yes, get me there. I love learning. Uh, I want to be there. I want to learn from this person. So we're in the studio. The teacher is sat there with a whiteboard, group of us all sitting around. And it became apparent to me that there was a hell of a lot of uh, transference going on, right? Like, you you know, when you can see that there's some people in the room that are a little bit like gaga over the teacher and not necessarily because of what it is that they're teaching. Anyway, that there was a bit of that going on okay, whatever, that's not my journey, I, I could see it, I, you know, that happens, you get a famous person in the room and they'll, normally there's a couple of folks who do that thing where, you know, that's okay, that's, that, sure, I, I mean, sure, I've been that person at times, I go, oh my god, I remember when I was, oh, Hugh, my outdoor education instructor in like year eight camp, man, there was some transference going on there, bad, oh, whoa, 
Anyway, you get my point. So the teacher is explaining their thing, <laughs> the thrust of this workshop. Uh, and they were drawing a diagram as they kind of were expressing themselves. And the diagram incorporated from memory, it was a human sort of stick figure and then sort of circles around sort of swirling lines and circles as the, as the explanation went on around the stick figure to emphasize uh, what, was, what was going on. And from memory, it was something about energy. Anyway, I didn't quite get it. Um, I was sat there with everybody else and some people were enthralled and taking notes and I really wanted to get it because I'm like, this person's famous and I've heard so much about them and they've been in the industry like the entire Kali Yuga and I'm so lucky to be here and I just, ah, oh, I just, it's me, I just can't, I can't kind of, and so I asked, could you just explain that to me again because I can't, I haven't quite got it. And even now, <laughs> thinking about that workshop, I have got zero idea what they were talking about. I have no idea. I can remember the picture on the whiteboard, but it was so like, anyway, I, I, I really, I, I was trying to be, could you just run through it one more time? I didn't quite get it. But I had fucking no idea what was going on. Anyway, the teacher says to me, oh, God, he, the teacher had the whiteboard marker still in their hand, right? And they tap the whiteboard where the image is with this look. We're all sitting in a semicircle. The teacher's, at the, you know, sitting in the middle of the other, at the, on the other. We're all looking in. And then, of course, they start tapping the whiteboard. And people are now looking at me or looking at the whiteboard. And the teacher says, it's all right here, tapping the whiteboard. They say, it's all right here. I don't know what else you expect me to say. <laughs> and that's it and the teaching moved on and we did like a 90 minute yoga nidra which was nice but not what the workshop was supposed to be about anyway um so now the teachers tap 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 it's all right here I don't know what else you expect me to say again in that moment I just shut my mouth and accepted in that moment okay I didn't get it uh it must be. And then, <laughs> this, is so, this is where the freaking yoga magic happens, right? Rather than Amy circa 2007, I'm rubbish, I shouldn't be here. I thought that teacher's a fuckhead. Because <laughs> guess what? I don't have to agree with your theory. I don't have to jive with what it is you're teaching me. But if you're the teacher... Part of your job is to help me understand what you're telling me. I don't have to agree with it, but I've got to be able to kind of get it. I don't even know what, even now, thinking back to that workshop that I paid money for, I don't know what it was about. And I've been to some really nebulous trainings, right? <laughs> so I'm guessing if I was sitting there, having been in this game a little while, other people in the room, this was the first yoga philosophy workshop they've ever been, like, Really? Did they know what was going on? But for in that moment, even though he, they, the teacher, oh, I'm sucking at this anonymity thing. Um, in that moment, the purpose was tap, tap, tap. It's all right here. I don't know what else you expect me to say. Well, I expect you to teach me. But that's what I thought. But historically, I would have thought, oh, my, my bad. I've mucked up here. I'm somehow deficient because I can't receive this powerful thing that everybody else is obviously picking up. 
But in that moment, the intention of the teacher was to make me wrong for it. Look at me, tap, tap, tap. Look at this picture. If you're not getting it, then, you know, you're just not, I don't know, evolved enough to understand what it is that I'm saying. And for me, in my own journey, that was one of the first times where I went, fuck you, dude, in my mind, rather than, oh, God, Amy, you, this is your mistake. But I thought about everybody else in the room and, and like, and, 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 you know, still, even though I thought this guy's fuck, um, I didn't leave. I still sat there. I still let that teacher tap, tap. I don't know. And then I did this ridiculous yoga nidra. I'm pretty sure the teacher just sat there and read a book because there was no guidance or anything. And it just went on and on and on to the point where the back of my head hurt. I didn't leave. I didn't leave because, because again, because of this, like, who's in charge here? That person, the person with the whiteboard marker, not the little feeble person asking, I I don't get it. And then also this idea of, well, this is a whole day long thing. And this was just the morning segment. Why didn't I leave at lunchtime? Because I'd spent the money. And something that I'm still working on is that sort of sunk costs fallacy, right? Like, well, shit, I paid for it. I may as well stay. You know, it's like when you get a bad meal and you eat it because, well, they're going to, I may as well just finish it. Or I may as well stay for the whole day. I paid for it. What the hell? What the actual hell? So I promise there are some. This is like sitting in the rocking chair telling you a story. But I promise there are some insights and some threads. Hopefully I can weave together to explain why I've decided today to recount these three stories and then what that looks like, um, what that looks like, at least for me, uh, in going forward. So when I was preparing for this episode, I, writing out my notes, I thought, okay, so tell these stories and pull the threads out of how you made choices that were against your best interests because you were caught up in the atmosphere that was created by the teacher, largely, right? That, that's, that's what went on here. I, I uh, gave up that sort of like agency because my sense of pressure, nothing, like I don't think the teacher that wanted to get me into Pincher wanted to embarrass me or wanted to shame me or I don't I think that 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 teacher really wanted to help me um similarly I don't think the the woman yesterday at the market wanted to well I mean those folks do like to go on about Vishnu uh (laughs) as a, a you know um, but but not in any kind of bad way, not just because she that's her truth and she really believes it, not because she wanted to necessarily make me wrong. The, the last teacher I told you about, I mean, that, that guy was a douche and, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure well, there's more to that story I can tell you another time, but he did, in fact, want to make me wrong. All of this to say, I, even though I knew what I wanted to do in each of those situations, I did something else. Even though I knew what I wanted to do, I did something else. And it was in part because of this theatre of dominance. The person of the two, me and the other, the other in each of these three situations had more authority or so I presumed, had more knowledge, had more power, had more wisdom, had more insight, had more, more of all of it, more. And I had less. 
And so I made a choice against my best interests. I did something which was contradictory to what I wanted to actually do. So when I was putting all of my notes together and thinking, okay, well, you know, this is not just your chitty chatty show, Amy. The people listen to this thing to get some tools. Okay, let's write a list of, well, here's what we should do and here's what we shouldn't do. And then I realized, of course, that we are now in a situation where in that theater of dominance, again, to borrow Matthew Remsky's and probably using it out of context, a term, we're in it, you and me right now, particularly if you're using earbuds, baby. I am now heaven forbid, the authority and I am the teacher and you are the student. And so as much as I want to leave you with like, here's what we'll do together, uh, I don't think in this instance it's appropriate. I will for like five tips to optimize your Facebook ads. But for right now, um, what I'm going to talk about is what I'm going to do. And maybe it's useful for you, maybe it's not in whatever form and however you may or may not take it. Here's what I'm going to do based on these three situations and more, right? These three situations and uh, what I am learning about myself in the process. Moving forward, here's what I'm going to do when I'm in the role of the student. I am going to be compassionate about my own fears or concerns about expressing myself. So rather than beating myself up about how I respond, if I respond in a way that in hindsight I wish I hadn't, I'm going to be compassionate about that. Because in the moment, I'm just doing the best that I can do in that moment. Later, I would have done something different. But in that moment, I didn't want to make the teacher look stupid. I didn't want to create a fanfare and put put a downer on her workshop. I really wanted to be the good student and get my fucking legs to the wall. Stupid. Uh, but you know what? I love the Amy that said yes when she wanted to say no. I'm going to be compassionate about all of that stuff. Sometimes, often, I'm going to get this wrong, even though I aspire to get it better more of the time. Um. I'm going to trust my instincts more about what's going on rather than presuming that maybe I don't know what I'm talking about or maybe they don't have bad intentions or maybe they do know more about my body than I do. God, when you say that loud, it sounds ridiculous. I'm going to trust my instincts about information. If I think someone is a dick, I'm allowed to make a decision based on that. I don't have to stand up and say, you, sir, are a dick. I can just decide to not come back after the lunch break, right? But I'm going to trust my instincts. If my spidey senses are saying, I don't know about this, like, you're about to look like a fuckhead in front of everybody, I get to say no. I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm also going to take my time in responding. This is where, this is a powerful, like there is a, there is a heartbeat, right, that we where we, where we can just take that little tiny couple of seconds time to think rather than defaulting straight to the reaction. Because I kind of wish that I had a said yesterday at the market, huh, you know, I didn't think Shiva appeared in the Vedas. I thought that kind of came up more during the Puranic period. And you know what? That probably would have launched into this whole other conversation. She would have tried to get me to donate for a copy of the Bhagavatam. It would have been great. But I didn't because I just, in that moment, acted and, 
not in the most masterful way. If I had given myself a moment when Mr. Tap, Tap, Tap was telling me that, I don't know what I was doing, snack better, I didn't have to be crazy about it, but I could have just said something like, oh, actually, I was wondering, could you just go over that last bit? I didn't quite understand, right? But I didn't. Or if I had given myself just a moment to think about weighing it up, I know I can't double leg lift, but I don't want to make a scene of it right now. So what would be the right way to handle this situation? Like that thinking can happen so fast, but I skipped over it completely to go straight to like, get out of this. This is uncomfortable. Get out of it. <laughs> and as a result, said the said yes when I wanted to say no, said no when I wanted to say yes, didn't stick up for myself, all of it. So I'm going to take my time in responding in these situations, understanding that, oh, here we are again in that awkward thing and I'm feeling conflicted and I'm going to give myself a second before I say anything else or take the next action. And I hereby declare I am always, always, always going to give myself permission to say no to walk out or to disagree. And I get to do it with grace and I get to do it with mindfully and I get with respect and I always, always, always get to do it. I never, ever, ever again will sit through a training that I think is bullshit or manipulative or controlling or unethical unless I want to. But I am hereby declaring I will leave any of it. I will say no. I will not demo. I will not do a pose. If it makes me look like I'm a non-joiner, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. So that's what I'm going to do from going forward. That's what I'm doing for me. This is for me because I can't tell you what to do because that would be, you know, I'll just be telling you about Shiva being Vishnu's number one devotee. Apparently you said it in the Vedas and we're not going to do that. So here's what, I'm go- here's what I'm going to do in the role of the teacher moving forward. And I did this actually, I did this on um, serendipitously, I did this uh, last weekend when I was teaching at the yoga festival. I'm going to make it very clear at the start of all of my classes that people can leave whenever they want. Because I think a lot of people stay like I did because they don't want to rock the boat, they don't want to make it awkward, they don't want me to feel bad. I'm, I'm going to tell you up front, if you want to leave, if you're not, if you're not into it, if you don't like it, all this stuff about don't leave before Shavasana. Look, you know what? Actually, the human body is pretty resilient. If you leave a yoga class without Shavasana, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be. God damn it! Recline your chair when you get back into your car, and if you must. But really, I'm gonna make it very clear. If you're not into it, if you don't like it, if you just want to, if you're bored, just leave. You can leave whenever you want. I'm going to just tell people straight up. Um, I'm going to get better at how I manage my own energy. You know, I'm not going to do those, you know, that, 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 like, like that teacher in my middle story did. She wasn't talking to me. She wasn't looking at me when she said, I really think you can do this. She was looking at everybody else. This was going to be a crowd pleaser. Look at the magic powers of my teaching style. Look, her feet are on the wall. She was looking to get, you know, she was looking to get, adulation from the crowd and I knew I couldn't give it to her but if she had looked at me and said do you want to do this and actually looked at me and I would have said you know what I know I know my body I know I can't do what you're gonna want to demo if she had been looking at me instead of everybody else it's done she knows 
This is not, I don't think I'm working. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. No, no, I know. I can't do it. I'm okay with it. One day, maybe, hopefully I will be able to. But right now, I can't do it. Um, But that didn't happen because she was so caught up in the group and the, um, you know, like like the collective sort of affirming energy she was getting from everybody. I don't want to do that. I know I've done it. I know I've done it historically and um and it doesn't feel so good when everybody's like loving what you're teaching um but it's a shitty thing if you're the if if you're who I was in the story if you're in that spot it sucks it's horrible so I don't want to do that anymore I'm going to talk to and I'm talking to someone I'm talking to someone I'm talking to everyone I'm talking to everyone but I'm not going to do that thing where I'm using somebody as an example and like talking to the group like Oh, come on, everybody. We know she can do it, don't we, guys? You know that. Because if she's told me she can't do it, she can't do it. And the reason is none of my goddamn business unless she asks for my help. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and here's what I'm also committed to. I'm committed to when I'm in the role of the teacher, I'm committed to listening better and telling less and obviously again this is a podcast it's one directional I can't this is a terrible example of what I'm talking about because I can't hear you right now um and I'm just telling you a whole bunch of shit but I want to be better at that too like listen more tell less um and 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 in all of it in in um feedback from students but also in things like the queuing of poses um that and, and maybe I'm thinking about the workshop that I'm teaching this coming weekend. There's a lot of people that are coming that I don't know. Uh, and Wendy and I have talked about who they are because most of them are her students and their experience levels and what they would like and how I, you know, what sort of how much anatomy language she thinks they'll be cool with and English versus Sanskrit, all of that. We've done a bit of that, but I don't know them. And so for me, it's important that it's really clear that they know that they ask, they can ask me anything along the way that, that I want to hear what they're saying, that I'm not just going to like bark out all the, do this, do this, do this, do this, because I don't know who they are. I don't know how that lands. I'm going to listen to what they're saying to me and teach from there. Um, and that, and that it's my job to enable that at the outset. This is not a, you must be so quiet all the time and focused and no this is a workshop uh with a teacher you don't know i'm gonna make it really clear you can leave whenever you want you can go to the toilet whenever you want and you can ask me anything whenever you want um and and we can do that so the whole room learns from it or we can do that so the whole room knows nothing about it and you get to decide that um and I want to be better moving forward based on these three stories. I want to be better at recognizing that theater of dominance idea, understanding that in the role of student or as the role of teacher, there are inherent power biases one way or the other, and that how I interact with them, perpetuate or diffuse them um, is to, to a degree within my control and the degree to which it is in my control I want to do better.
So there you go. Uh, you thought it was just going to be a story about jumping castles and fairy floss. Well, guess what? It wasn't. You know, it's funny. Yoga, yoga land is, is shifting and changing and kind of getting heavier. Does anybody feel that? I had a beautiful conversation with a colleague last week um, while we were both sort of rolling up our mats after practicing about, you know, what's going on with yoga? Things are different. And I think it's ultimately for the better. But it does feel uncomfy, right, in the churn. I don't know. Is anybody else feeling like that? I've had some uh, beautiful friends of mine. We've had these big talks about these sorts of things. And maybe, maybe um, for me, things like the stories I've just shared have been useful um, as ways of reflecting on my own growth and my own understanding of myself, which I guess kind of at this point after I don't know, when did I start yoga? At eight? Maybe I'm more interested in that. That's the bit of yoga that's useful to me these days. So uh, let's do something more nuts and bolts next week. I'm not doing freaking five things to optimize your goddamn Facebook ads, though. I just can't take it. (laughs) But I promise, something more nuts and boltsy. And uh, if you've got reflections on this episode, um, send them through. I'd love to hear from you, uh, whatever they may be. Um, you don't need to send me that. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm cool with all, all of that. Um, I'm not looking for that. But, you know, if, if there's anything you want to share, reflections, insights, um, disagreements, agreements, I'm not uh, by any means an expert on this. I'm just bumbling my way forward. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Like I said at the top, uh, Social Media Confidence is now open for registration. So the link is in the episode notes if you want in on that one. Uh, if you want a 90-minute intensive this month, it's 150 bucks off. The co- you need to use a coupon code to get it. The code is also in the episode notes. And but if you want to check out my uh, Patreon, which I've been freaking about with forever. No one ever does that in this community. No, no, no. We start a project and finish it that day. Uh, if you want to check out my Patreon and the subscription, the membership levels and all of that good stuff, uh, patreon.com forward slash Amy McDonald. That's us. That's us, folks. Till next week. Have a good one. So there you have it, folks. Another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure. Of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.